Hey everybody, thanks for joining at My Heart Mel tonight. Um, tonight I actually have some guests with me that, um, they're my kids, and if you've heard any of my podcasts, you have definitely heard me talk about my two kids. Oh. Um, so, let me get right into tonight's title. Uh, I tried to do it on my own last night, and I ended up erasing it, but it's called Sometimes There's a Need to Go Back. And... So let me give you some backstory. I was going to have my kids more or less do this, and we tried this once. It didn't work out so good. So <laughs> let me, uh, uh, first of all, I'm going to say hi, to, and I'm going to give my kids the opportunity to say hi. Um, my daughter, Kelsey, is 17, and my son, Noah, is 14. So know that, you know, when I'm asking them questions or asking them to talk a little bit about some things that you're talking to a 17, 14-year-old. Uh, you'll definitely remember Kelsey. I know I have an accent. She totally wipes the floor with me on that. Hey, Noah's my more reserved one. Uh, so, uh, Kelsey, say hi. Hey, y'all. Hey, everybody. And hi. Noah can't stop laughing at his sister saying, hey, y'all. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> hey, y'all. Okay. So, uh, I have a Facebook, like, I don't know, a gazillion people in the world. And uh, there's a saved category on your Facebook. And so there's a lot of things that I save off Facebook, but no one else could ever see that. It says only me. There's actually a a section on there that says only me. And I was scrolling last night, really and truly I was scrolling because I just finished recording Kelsey. Kelsey is a songwriter and she is a very talented uh, singer. And I was recording her. So after I recorded her, I was like, you know what, let me go back. Because um, if you don't know me, um, I've been a worship leader for, man, at least the last decade, I would suppose, or longer. Kelsey and I have been in bands together. And I just thought, you know, I just wanted to go down Reminiscent Alley. And my son is starting to sing as well. He plays a little bit of guitar, and he's super good with technology. So I was sitting there sifting through videos of Kelsey and sifting through videos of me and Noah together. And I came across one that was in that Only Me section. And it was a video that was recorded in 2017. I immediately recognized the video. And I almost did not click the button because I already knew what was going to be on the video. In 2017... Kelsey did something that was very brave at the time. She was 14. And uh, if you're not from Texas and you're listening to this podcast, because I'm not really sure if this is something nationwide or something Texans do because we like to sit on our football fields. But um, every year we have something that is called Fields of Faith. And what Fields of Faith is, it's where you gather your community together. Christians come together. and And, of course, you hope that you have non-Christians there, and it's mainly youth-led, and you have Christian music going on, you have testimonies from from children, and not so really children, but youth, you know, teenage kids, and that year, Kelsey was asked to share our family story. Now, uh, just like everybody else, we all have that thing we don't like to talk about, or everyone's got their dirt, okay? Well, for me, this was a hard story because it was a story about our life. And my, 
my kids, especially Kelsey, I even got a balloon on Mother's Day. It says Mama Bear on it. And if you were to know me well, I am very quiet, reserved, um, very much a... I just look at everyone through a lens of forgiveness, a lens through caring and love. And, and, and if you're a problem child, I still try to figure out what's the deep depth part of you. But if you mess with my kids in any ways, that mama bear comes out, which I know a lot of mamas do. And so um, for her to sit up there and talk about things that not only hurt me, but hurt my children in all these years it really affected me. I, I remember sitting there on that field bawling, but I listened to it. It was about 20 minutes long, and I'm going to try to not make this podcast too long, but I do feel that um, you connect better with your listeners if they know where you're coming from. So I want you to know that I don't come to you as some polished person. If you've been on my podcast, you know that's not true anyways. Um I'm literally uh, somebody that is, I consider a friend of mine. They introduced me to this podcast platform. I'm a single mother. and I use an iPhone speaker. I don't have a fancy equipment, but I felt the need um, through some support from other people that said you should do a podcast instead of doing live feeds on Facebook. That's how this kind of started. But I think it's important that you know who you're listening to. Because truthfully, if you are not familiar with me, if you're not listening to me just because you're on my prayer ministry or because you're a Facebook friend, follower, or whatever, you really don't know who you're listening to. So I want to give you a little backstory, but I'd like to use my kids in a way. And I will start the platform for you. I got married very young to Kelsey and Noah's dad. They both have the same dad. And I got married very young. And this is something that wasn't in her particular testimony. But I was very much in love with her father. Um, And and then uh, when Kelsey, I believe Kelsey at the time was three, I surrendered fully to ministry. God called me. I remember it so well. I was on a couch in my home. I could not sleep. And I felt God's calling on my life. Uh, to mainly speak to youth and and to speak to women and everything. But I didn't have any idea it would be so many years before I really got the full impact of what he was asking me to do. But shortly after, um, Kelsey and Noah's father, he also surrendered to ministry and became a full-time youth minister at a very large church uh, near the Houston, Texas area. So I want to give you the setting for that. But then what happened next was heartbreaking and unexpected. And I don't, I've I've told my kids to try not to use names and things like that because that's not the importance. The importance here is not to um, sit here and say, hey, go after these people for what you did. It's just I want our story shared. So hopefully... If you've gone through something, and also to make sure that you you are a family that can talk to your kids, that can pray with your kids. Um, so I'm going to ask my kids some questions, and and I think that's important because this is actually testimony Kelsey shared, so I'm going to let her start off a little bit. 
But I will start the backdrop that I was married for 10 years. I met him when I was in high school. And he was the love of my life. And no matter how this podcast goes down, he it will always be that. And that's hard to say because um, as time will show you, um, he is happily remarried and that's fine. And he he's happily uh, in a different life now. But I do want to say that little jab in there that, you know, divorce truly hurts not just you, but it trickles down into your kids and it trickles down into so many pieces and parts and divorce causes you to be in situations that you normally wouldn't be in and Kelsey will get into that and so will Noah into where you find yourself young and alone and wanting to get remarried because you know we live in a world where we don't like to be alone I definitely did not and being married all my life from a very young age um, for 10 solid years and uh, fearful of what it would be like to be alone with two small children. Um, that's what I mean about when sin creeps in, it doesn't just affect the two people. It literally trickles down. So, Kelsey, I just want to ask you a little bit. You shared this story. You shared this story and you watched me cry. Yeah out on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, I was unable to really participate much. I participated in the singing with you. Mm -hmm. And this was when you were 14. Mm -hmm. You are now a senior in high school. (laughs) And, And next year, you will be turning 18. And so this has been some time ago. Yeah. But, uh, can I ask you, is it still fresh on your mind sometimes? Um, you know, I think there are days when something small can happen and it instantly will trigger a memory or I'll go somewhere and I remember all the things that I talked about. So the story that I told in 2017 is it's still continuing on. It's still a continuing story that I think about on a constant basis. But I think that the pain and suffering that I was feeling during that time it's not that it's gone away, but it has significantly lessened through time, and that's purely by the grace of God. Okay, can you uh, tell everybody? I don't want to speak for my kids. That's one thing I, I never like to do. I think kids should have a voice. So I'm going to let you... Uh, w- let's start with your your dad. Your, we're going to start, both you and Noah, with your dad. Um. You can tell what you don't remember and what you do remember. And then um, the effects on that relationship. Um, okay. There's a part where we'll, we will come in to the next stage of life. But I want to get that first. Um, because like I said, this is an important lesson of needing to go back. Needing to talk to your kids. See how they're feeling. Don't always assume that you know how they feel because you don't. So, um, your dad left, um, and a lot of people got confused about that, uh, back then because they said, well, you left. Well, no, he, he didn't want us there. And to be honest with you, I was very young, naive. There was no divorce in my family. And when he told us to go, the only place I knew to go was back to East Texas where I was born and raised. Um, and so I went back home 
to uh, my parents because I was a stay-at-home mom at the time that did ministry on the side, and uh, I was homeschooling Kelsey actually at the time because when you live near the Houston area, a lot of parents at the time were not putting their kids in public school and for good reason. And uh, so, Kelsey, just you tell me uh, about your your dad, um, how the divorce has affected uh, how the divorce has affected you from the time that you remember walking away um, until now. All right. So the first thing that I remember about the divorce was my dad walking in, and I said hi, and he walked into the bedroom, and there was yelling, and then we just drove. And that's pretty much what I remember about that. Now, being four years old, I'm not really comprehending that mom and dad aren't going to be together anymore. I don't know what's going on. I just know that all I see is my mom crying and that daddy's not there. Um, For most of my young childhood, my dad was never really there. He showed up on his weekends and didn't really spend a lot of time with us there. Um, He was usually picking us up at 9, 10 o'clock at night and bringing us home on Sundays at 8 or 9. And as time went on, he I really started to notice that he was always very angry. And it wasn't necessarily at us, but that anger was being taken out on us. Um, I remember that I could wear certain things and I would get laughed at or made fun of in a sense that the answer was usually always no no matter what the question was there were some dumb rules like we couldn't have soda or we couldn't go to McDonald's and if we did that we couldn't tell certain people we went to McDonald's I mean just stuff like that and as I grew up I started to realize the negative effect that it was having on my life it was to the point where I was afraid of my own father I was afraid of asking questions. I was afraid of dressing a certain way or saying a certain thing so much so that I became a fake version of myself. And I believe it was my freshman year of high school that I got into a point where I'd had enough. There were situations where I hadn't seen my dad in months. There were times where he only called once every two weeks and that when I tried to call, he was too busy. And I got tired of being a fake version of myself. And I made the decision that I no longer wanted my dad to be part of my life. And I confronted him. I told him basically that I was tired of being fake. I was tired of feeling like he didn't care and only showed me love because he had to. Um, And I have not gone on my weekend, on my designated weekends for two years now I think yeah two years now and my dad and I have only talked a few times Um, at this point in time pretty much everything that I have had to say to him or that felt like I needed to get out truths that needed to come out I've said and I think the biggest effect that it had on my life is that there's this constant feeling of abandonment on my heart and that is my biggest hang up with wanting to have a relationship with him is that I felt so abandoned and I felt so uncared for and uncared about and it's crazy that 13 years later after he left that I still feel the sting of that abandonment okay and I'm gonna let Noah chime in and if you're wondering what this is about I just like I said I'm trying to give you a little piece of me that I haven't done 
and also uh, realize that uh, I'm very truthful with my kids. Now, this is not a bashing if you're thinking, man, they're just bashing their dad. That's not what they're doing. Um, I want you to know that we pray for their father. He's done a lot of confessing in the last year of his own shortcomings. But, you know, um, as with anything that we do in life, you know, there are some things that are damaging and we can forgive, we can try to move forward, but there are just some things that are, are bone deep. And so just please realize that in this, um, uh, don't hate on my kids. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. So I'm going to let Noah talk. Uh, Noah's more of my quiet one, so you might not get as much enthusiasm, but I want you to know that he's he's definitely my one that that has a steadfast heart. And although Kelsey has, um, what has happened with her biological father has not turned out to be the relationship I had envisioned for her, Noah has embraced his dad's uh, asking and forgiveness, and he continues to see him to this day. Uh, but Noah, just tell me uh, how the divorce has affected you, okay? Because this might help other families. Uh, I wish you could see his face because he's looking like, great, I get to answer questions. <laughs> But I, I want to help you see through a child's eyes, not just a grown-up's. So, uh. Okay, so um, they divorced. My mom and dad divorced when I was two years old. I didn't remember anything about it. Um, you know, Kelsey at four couldn't comprehend, so think about me when I was two. I couldn't comprehend at all. I could probably barely talk back then. So, um, and when, like Kelsey said, when me and her were younger with dad, he was pretty angry and I didn't know what that anger was from. And he would just have all these rules that weren't really fair, I guess you could say. And you look at him now and you'll be like, what happened to you? Those rules aren't don't apply anymore. Um, but no, uh, like mom said, I still see him to this day, and I um, love him very much. But in a lot in of my life, I always wanted to have a male figure in my life, and I feel like I really never had that. And I've always still really to this day I wanted somebody in my life permanent permanently and that's just hard to do when your dad is three and a half hours away and I love my dad and you know he loves me but it's just hard for that okay um so proud of you too for you know expressing that and uh so I just wanted to get that out there. We're, we're kind of doing this in little pieces tonight, and I, I'm trying not to go uh, too far. If you hear me clicking buttons, I'm just trying to see how we're 19 minutes in. I just don't want to lose you on the way. I'm going to cut right to the chase. Um, after their dad walked away, I fell into um, probably the most horrible depression I I can ever imagine. Um, I am... I'm telling you some very vulnerable stuff tonight because it, it gets worse. Um, it really does. I fall into a deep depression, and this is going to be hard if you're a family member of mine that don't know this about me or anything else, but 
not only was the love of my life leaving me with a four and a two-year-old to figure out what to do on my own, I'm forced to move back home to East Texas. And what a lot of people don't know and what I wasn't expressed that night was that I was forced to go home to my childhood abuser. And so we ended up moving into a camper that my mother-in-law at the time gave us. And because I just couldn't feel comfortable around that But the whole thing was, is that I had kept that abuse hidden for so long that nobody really knew what was going on except me and their dad. Their dad knew. Um, So the first guy that entertained me, basically, that I guess wooed me over was, you know, their dad was at a point of anger, like they said, and and just vicious things said, and I'm not going to get into that. We'd be here forever. But regardless he seemed like a savior coming to save the day he was very charming uh man he had his own home and just you know you gotta remember I'm young got two kids and he is just seeming so sympathetic to my whole situation and me and just loving my kids he had kids of his own and I started loving them and lo and behold I am about to marry this man He asked me to marry him a week before we were supposed to get married. In fact, I remember God saying, do not do it. I actually packed my bags, called my family. They came to get my stuff and he talked me out of it. A week later, we go to the JP and get married. It's sad to say this because it really is, but I'm married knowing that I was going against God. And I remember one of my biggest journal entries And I mean, it read for years, God, take the mess I made and make something good out of it. But I will tell you this, that I was so depressed in that moment. And it's not excusing my sin, but I was so depressed in that moment. And all I wanted was to be a mom to Kelsey and Noah. That's really all I wanted. I wanted my life back, a life I felt like God at the time had taken from me. uh, And I didn't know why God was taking it from me. So I fell in the hands of this man that said he believed in God, but he didn't really do the church thing. And so I took the kids to church and we did those things. And about a year into that marriage, it's almost like I snapped out of that depression and I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I done? But in my beliefs, I'm like, well, I can't divorce him and, you know, I will learn to really love him. I really will learn to love him Uh, no matter what. But that became very hard to do because not only was there always this deception of him cheating going on, but about six months into the marriage, a lot of truths were being revealed about this man that I had now started a new life with. Uh, We have moved cities now and uh, have a new last name. And I start this new life, but this new life is not pretty at all. In fact, this new life is very much filled with secrets, deception, and violence. And although I don't, it only was the power of God, but I kept my composure through so many years of it. So many broken doors patched up, so many items that, you know, were broken and shattered, thrown in the trash so the kids could not see 
so many things that I did to keep them out of the, the limelight of things. But eventually, as the kids got older, they started to see. Um, and so I'm going to get back to Kelsey for a minute. So I'm going to just give you a another scenario of a talk. We talked a little bit about divorce and the, how the trickling effect it happens on your kids. My kids to this day, they're 14 and 17, and they are still paying the price for a decision made by one person when they were four and two. But then I made a decision, and I thought at the time that it was the right decision. Hey, I'm giving them a home. I'm giving my son a male figure. I'm I'm getting my life back. This guy really loves me, you know, and, and everything I knew inside of me about Christ and what he said about being yoked with non-believers, I just shot that out the window, believing that somehow I was so godly that I would just, uh, you know, I'd bring Jesus on in. But that didn't happen. And as my kids got older, now they're getting affected another way. So I'm going to let Kelsey talk about that a little bit and bring you in there. So just tell me about, I don't really need you to go back to when I met, met him or I don't even need you to go back that far. But you just tell me when it started to affect you, when, when that relationship started to affect you and uh, affect how you saw the world and just everything else. Okay. So some of the biggest effects that that relationship had on me is number one, um, my mom, she made the point earlier, she was very good at hiding a lot of what was going on. All I knew about this guy was he was three times as angry as my dad, and he yelled a lot. And I was terrified of him. And as time went on, similar to my dad, I became his favorite simply for the fact that I knew what I could and couldn't do around him. I knew what I could and couldn't say, how I could act, and I learned that. But the defining moment for me that I think totally changed everything that I had ever thought, that any good thought I had about him was there was a night that I was laying in my bed, and my bedroom was right across the hall from my mom's, and... I just hear feet stomping and this loud slam and bang. And I don't know what's happening, but I just sit up in my bed. And my mom walks into my room, and I see that her door is pretty much torn off the hinges. And she was like, Kelsey, are you okay? And I didn't even say, yeah, I just said, are you okay? And she said, yes, I'm fine. And then probably about 10 to 15 minutes later, my mom came into my room and pretty much just held me close to her and just bawled her eyes out. And I remember that night so much because I am very much a person that likes to see the good in people. And I remember when I saw him the next morning, I just remember I saw no good left in him. And from that moment on, I was ready for her to say, we're done, let's go. Because it got to the point where when finally, when she found out about an affair he had had, and she said, let's go. I was like, all right, about time. And I understood that, you know, because of our beliefs and because of what we believe in, that God hates divorce. But if I'm being really honest with you, in that instance at, you know, 
12 and 13 years old, I didn't give a crap. I didn't care. I was ready to get out. So, yeah. You can conclude this story, I guess. Um, Noah, do you have anything to say? Is it my turn? Yeah. (laughs) Noah's like, is it my turn? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What do you have to say about the whole situation? You can bring it personal. Okay, so, you know, that really, that um, time where they were married, um, mom and my stepdad at the time, it was, at first, I I liked him a lot because he, he introduced me to football. He introduced me what I love still to this day. And he introduced me to video games. He introduced me to some of my hobbies that um, he got me started into. And I, to me, as I look back at him right now, he was more of a friend to me. Like a friend that I liked but really didn't love because he had so much anger in him. And... There was at times that I didn't get to have friends over because they were a different color than me. Because a lot of my friends at the time were um, black or Hispanic or something like that, and they wouldn't. He wouldn't let. Um, he wouldn't let them stay stay over. So I would have to just play with him in the backyard when he wasn't home and then tell him to leave before he got home because he would he had a grudge on on them because that's how he was raised but it was a really at the I didn't really understand it because I was a lot younger then but when about the time they started um the second cuz mom filed divorce twice the second time, I really started to understand and really understand what he was doing and um, that he was hurting my mom. And that just, that was a hard time um, for me. Okay. Uh, I want to thank my kids for being on here and being truthful and honest. Uh, if it seems a little scrambled, it's just because, for one, uh, we're unscripted, talking to my kids. But... Uh, uh, when Noah said she filed divorce twice, I did. If you missed any of that part, it's because aside from just... Basically, we walked on eggshells every day. But I had... I might have started that marriage out with my faith being weakened from their dad leaving. But I ended up with my faith soaring. So I wanted to have faith that it could work out. I mean, who... Who in ministry wants to walk around saying, I've been divorced twice? So um, he had an affair that wasn't just a suspicion. I mean, it was a full-blown affair. And I had tried to uh, get him to leave her, and it wasn't happening. And so finally, I I, I filed divorce, but then he said he would go to counseling, which I was like, whoa, he never would do that. I retracted the divorce only for a year later to find him in the same situation around the same women. And 
Uh, basically, one night he started coming after everyone, not just me, because uh, he had some kids of his own, and we called the police and I called the lawyer. So that's the sum of that particular instant. And I wish I could tell you that the heartache and the trial stopped there, but they truly didn't. Um, that's just one part of our life, and maybe we'll get to the next phase. Um, but some things happened in my daughter's life and some things happened in our personal life that somehow the child abuse, and it's a long story, so that's how I'm saying somehow. I know how it happened, but that would be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> my child abuse that I had kept secret for over 30 years resurfaced itself a lot due to counseling. Because I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD. I was having panic attacks, man, almost around the clock. And it was from the abuse. It was from uh, the trauma. And and just let me make this clear. It wasn't like I was getting my head beat against the wall every single day. But the emotional abuse was just so powerful. And uh, it's like I told it, people, um, and, and we talked about it in counseling. I lived in a prison cell, and so did my children. And, uh, you know, living that way for seven years where you are confined, you literally uh, are just in this uh, a house that looks like a house on the inside, but inside it feels just like a prison and you are watching your every move, your every word. Uh, you're being belittled all the time and things like that. So it was that kind of scenario. Um, but now we're going to get to... what good came out of it and then I want to reference some scripture and I hope you've stayed with us long enough I know this is not my typical podcast I know it's probably longer and you're not probably used to listen to kids be your guest speakers but you know what I think it's important to talk to your kids because at the end of the day if you are a single parent I found the strongest thing I could do for my kids was to be honest about it Especially with Noah, because he was so little that he just did not understand. And when I got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress syndrome and I started having panic attacks, uh, these poor kids just didn't understand. I mean, I didn't understand, so it was even harder for them. So I'm going to give it to them one more time, and then I want to give you scripture, and I'm going to end. I'm going to let them leave the room if they want. Um, But uh, so, guys, we've been on our own now without any mail. for uh, four years. It's been four years now. And uh, no, I'm not available for dating. <laughs> it's a joke, running I joke in my house. That uh, is not her decision. That is the decision of her children. Um, that's not true. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, that's not true at all. Uh, that is a decision I just feel like God will put in place. We laugh about it a lot just because, uh, you know, for some reason, when you're single, um, everyone thinks that you're, you must be so unhappy um, if you're single. But I found that there is some unhappiness in it. But at the same time, I've got two kids that, if you can't tell, have gone through enough trauma. And uh, so I just want... This is what I want them to do. I'm actually going to ask them to talk about their mother 
and hope they don't like drown me here. Um, I want you two to tell me because uh, the listeners are realizing that you've basically been raised in a single parent home. You've been raised by your mother. Um, you have lacked father figures in your life. So I want you to tell them about how you've experienced life with me and how you and what you wish every um, parent out there would know that is affecting their kids in this way. These dads that don't stay or, you know, or for whatever reason, these broken families. So I just want you to kind of give, you know, what, what has kept you sane in our family. Okay. Cause I'm not saying we're perfect. We're not, we got, we got problems people mm-hmm. like everybody else. Um, but you know, let everybody know from your own words, not scripted guys, if you can't tell, um, how you feel like, uh, what you saw in me during that time, um, and also what you started seeing in yourselves. Okay, so I'm gonna let Noah go first this time. Guys get privileged this time instead of girls always first. Go ahead. Okay, so like she said, we've been raised um, by mom and only mom for a good while, and even even when uh, my stepdad was around. He really didn't raise us, not not at all. So, um, but yeah, these past four years, she has been really strong and has really been taking care of us um, as the best she can. Even if it's at the hardest moment, she still stays strong. And I even wrote a song about it, and it was all true because she's held this family to. She's held this family together, and she was there for us. And now this is what has kept me sane for lots of years. Um, music has been a really big part of my life, um, not just listening to it, but just writing what I've, what I think and just playing it just making it into a song but music is like really powerful to me and it's really powerful to our family and yeah that's all I gotta say so okay I'm gonna try not to cry when I talk about all this um so me and my mom have always been extremely tight we've always been really close and over the past four years um my mom has literally become my best friend. She has become my person. She is my accountability partner. And, you know, there's days when I don't even want to get out of bed and I can just have a five-minute conversation with my mom about the dumbest thing. It could be about the open cabinet or, you know, my cat laying on the chair looking cute. And it just always helps to make me feel better. And, you know... She has put herself in situations that even when she's not happy, even when it's pushing her to the limit, she will drop everything to take care of us. And I think that's the one thing that I, I know I'm not a mom, but if I were to give any advice to parents that don't know how to deal with their teenager, because if anything, I'm the prodigal child of this family, and I'll just be honest and say it. 
But the one thing is that even if it's a small conversation a day, talk to your kids. You know, check on them. Like like my mom said earlier, don't just assume that they're okay. Talk to them. Make sure that they're doing okay. Make sure that they're good. Because this world is a brutal and battering place and it will beat you down so hard. The things that have really kept me sane, number one is God. And I can remember nights being at my lowest and just crying out to God, God, I need you to hold me right now. And this overwhelming peace has just come over me. Um, Another thing that's kept me sane is the fact that our family is very close, if you couldn't tell. And earlier tonight, we had a little movie night. We were watching movies together and we do... We pretty much do everything together. Sometimes we go off and do things with our friends, but for the most part, we do absolutely everything together. And also kind of like Noah said, we are a very musical family. We're very music-oriented, and I've written a lot of songs, and just sometimes I can just put my headphones in and just listen to some worship songs and just raise my hands, and it just makes me feel so much better. Um, But I honestly think that Besides God, the number one thing that has kept me sane is this woman sitting right here next to me that I call Mama Bear. Okay, I'm going to end it with my kids, and thank you guys for this. And uh, and then I want to end, guys, where you heard a lot this evening. And if you were kind enough to bear with me flipping through my children, and I know, um, like I said, it's not scripted. It's longer than usual, and I get that. But this is what I really wanted to convey. It all started with me looking back and seeing a video. A video that my, at the time, I considered a little girl giving a very big testimony about a very hard time in our lives. And and then just... Um, We talked about things tonight I wasn't expecting, um, some things I wasn't expecting to expose, but they just came out, and so I let them. But I want to read a scripture tonight, and you may not get it at first, but I I read it last night, and uh, I want to read it again. And it's about the value that God places on you. And then I'm going to tell you why that's so important. If you've gone through something like this, for one, please reach out to me. Get help, get support. And two, I want you to know that if you've gone through something in your life, it, and it's nothing like this, it's an addiction, it's it's whatever, it's just constant health issues or just having no support, no family, financial problems, all of that. Uh, I don't, you know, no story is created equal. And some of us can go through so many similar stories, but have different outcomes or have different responses. Your pain is not my pain. I don't, I, I hate that when we, when we put people in the categories and we say, well, you went through something similar to me and I got off way better than you. I don't compare stories like that. And I don't think anyone has the right to, but I do want to say this. It was a bit, it was a story and it was so long that trying to condense it down to this small amount of time was very hard because you're talking about a time from me being all the way at 10 years old, all the way to now I'll be 39 this year. So you're talking about a huge span trying to talk about that with kids that have gone through a lot and we're trying to crunch that all in. 
But there is a scripture in Matthew, and it's chapter 10, and I'm just going to start in verse uh, 29. And it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. What God is saying here, what Jesus Christ is actually saying to you right now, is Jesus said that God is aware of everything that happens, even to the sparrows. So that means that he knows everything that's happening. Let's just cut that. He knows everything that's happening to you right now. But he's saying you're far more valuable to him than they are. You're so valuable that God sent his only son to die for you. Because God places such a value on you. You need never fear personal threats or difficult trials. And if you just listen to a little bit of the back and forth tonight and can keep up with it, you can tell that we've gone through a lot of trials. And there are times throughout those trials that I didn't feel this way about God. There are times, especially when their father left, that I didn't feel like God was with me or that he cared about me. But the weird thing is, is that the biggest trial came when I remarried, but I had learned my lesson from not trusting in God and entering into that marriage to the point that my faith was so strong. And I'm going to tell you why my faith was so strong, because during that time, I did. I wrote in my journal over and over. I think I mentioned that in the beginning, that I wrote in my journal over and over again throughout the whole seven years of marriage to that person. God, take the mess I made and make something new about it. For one, I owned it. I owned that I entered into a marriage yoked with an unbeliever. Um, I was not prepared. I was depressed. I was putting myself in a situation that I did not belong in. But I was scared. Fear. Fear literally capitalized those letters. It overtook me. And all that faith I'd built up on, I mean, I was married to a preacher's son. Their their dad, their biological father was a preacher's son. I married basically into a ministry family. So I was surrounded by all this godliness. And so when it was taken away, where my where I thought my faith was so authentic and so strong, it truly wasn't. When it came time to test my faith, it truly wasn't. And so the powerful thing is, and you may say, well, you came out of this relationship with PTSD. Yes, yes, I did. Just because my faith grew doesn't mean that the consequences of the choices did not grow with it. It is something I have bared for a time now. And I asked God to remove the thorn just as Paul did. And God says no. Right now, the answer has been no. It's been no for quite a long time. Because I got diagnosed with that before the final divorce. So I want you to know what I learned. I'm important. I'm more important than the sparrows. God counts every hair on my head. I'm important.
But I also had to realize this. Just because he values me more than those things doesn't mean difficult times won't come. But it does mean that God will take away all your troubles in his way. He'll take away your troubles as far as, I'm not saying he's going to just like wipe all your troubles away. You're not going to be, you're not going to have trials or anything else. I should have worded it different really. He is going to take away your troubles in the sense that he's going to put a covering over them. I actually remember one night in that scenario where uh, Kelsey is talking about the door being ripped off. That is a real scenario and I had the door locked and I was running away. And as the door was being ripped off, I sat in a corner and I bowed my head in prayer and I felt God whisper. And and I'm going to tell you something. I'm not somebody that hears God talk a lot or anything like that. So I'm not over here over spiritual, but I literally heard him whisper three times. I'm holding you. I'm holding you. I'm holding you. And when he walked through that door for the first time. He had ripped it off the hinges and I sat in that corner with my head down, my hands in my face, not knowing what to expect. And he walked out of that door, walked outside, got in his truck and he left. And I got up and it was God. Now, yes, I did crawl in bed with my daughter. I did cry. It was a mixture of relief and a mixture of realizing the power of God. He, re- he did intervene when I was in trouble. But also, I learned that the real test of value is how well something holds up under the wear, tear, and abuse of everyday life. You really don't know how strong your faith is until you've gone through something. See, I thought my faith was strong being married to a youth pastor, being right, you know, being in that ministry environment. But I didn't really experience true faith until I had to be flat on my back with nowhere to go and no options. True faith came when the wear, the tear, and the abuse started happening in my life. But that's the part I want to get to right now. And I'm going to end with this because I know this is a long podcast. When I finally came to my senses, I understood who God was. I stopped playing games with God. I I stopped being mad at God and realized that I should have never been mad at Him in the first place. And I want to tell you right now that uh, trials still come to us. It's still hard being a single parent. It's still hard dealing with my past as much as I would love to tell you that I don't have repercussions of it. I do. I, I suffer internally from uh, emotional, physical abuse, the affairs, just, just the constant, I mean, just being slammed year after year, you know, um, there are still consequences, but I learned something so powerful through all of that is that I understood who God was and I no longer was going to sit there and blame him anymore for anything and that I was going to serve him through it all 
Even through my conditions now, I refuse to curse God. I refuse to blame Him for my situations. Because at the end of the day, this is all His. I don't know why everything has happened. And you may be sitting there thinking, I don't know why things happen the way they are. I don't know why broken families happen. I don't know why kids have to suffer. I don't know why I can't get over this addiction. I don't know why I'm always struggling. I don't know why my health is the way that it is. I don't know why my family is so broken. We could go on and on with everything. But I do want you to come to a point that I came to in my life. Is that when you understand who God is, you will no longer feel the need to question his motives. And instead you will say, God, I hurt. God, I'm in trouble or whatever it is. But I know who you are and I know what you said about me. I'm yours. I'm saved. Therefore, I'm safe. Because no matter the outcome, I'm yours. I hope that you are blessed, inspired a little bit tonight. And I honestly hope as unorganized as it all was, that through the mouths of children, through the mouths of reality, a reality that we choose to ignore so much in our world today, that there's real hurt and real pain going on in families. I hope that through our very simplified, because I really am telling you, it was a very simplified version tonight. It was the most simple I could possibly give you. I hope through that that you find hope that there are people out there that loving Christ is not based on conditions. Loving Christ is based on, I know the creator and the author of my destiny. And I'm no longer going to be at war with the one person that can bring me peace. I hope you all have a good night. Thank you for listening.